Welcome to the Revolutionary Insights podcast number 46, the uh, Divided States of America part three is the title of today's podcast. I'm going to get off on a couple of rabbit trails uh, before we actually get to the podcast. Uh, So if you'd like to do a little bit of rabbit hunting, come along with me. Uh, the first one is sometimes uh, people they uh, when you're when you're a writer, you know, and people don't know really what the value of reviews are. Uh, and if you listen to like sometimes these actors, uh, famous actors, and they say they either look at reviews or don't look at reviews. Well, I uh, I look at reviews, and um, the uh, my first book, which was Prickett's fourth historical novel, which was set on the Virginia frontier, seventeen seventy eight. When you write something, especially since that was my first book, you kind of wonder, well, uh, do people really like it? Was it historically accurate? Uh, people, can they pick things out of it that they think are kind of silly or stupid or whatever else? You know, obviously anybody is sensitive to the work that they do because it, it takes a lot of time and effort to uh, to write a book, obviously. And so uh, the uh, I, I just got a book review that I was very, very pleased with. And uh, I thought I would read it. And the reason why I'm going to read this review to you is because when you write a historical novel, uh, you can either take the history part of it seriously or you don't have to take it seriously. And uh, I've tried to take things seriously, but, you know, can you really know exactly the way things happened back when they happened? You know, you try to be as accurate as possible. But you're never really quite sure. So it becomes very important what other historians or um, people of that ilk, what they think of your writing. So, uh, and by the way, the book, uh, you can find it on uh, revolutionaryinsights.com. Just go to the store. You can order it right there. I, uh, if you email me or let me know what you, uh, uh, how you want me to sign it, I'll even sign it for you, personalize it if you, if you like. Um, so the... Uh, the book uh, was written, you know, some years back. Like I said, it was my first one. And so I just got this review, and the review says uh, it's titled, and it was five stars, thankfully, <laughs> but it was titled A Historical Museum Curator's Review. A uh, historical museum creator, a curator, that is somebody that obviously knows their history. And... Uh, and this, uh, and well, let's just go ahead and I'll, I'll just go ahead and read it. And so this is quoting. It says, this was a great read, which will touch all your emotions. I had a hard time in putting this book down as well. It is a very historically accurate account of what early settlers went through to forge their way into the unsettled lands of America, while focusing in on a small group of settlers from a particular area during their triumphs and tragedies. This story could be applied to any part of colonized America in the late 1700s, unquote. So that was the review, uh, which I really enjoyed. And by the way, if you have read any of my books, uh, any of the three, and uh, it was it is helpful if people put reviews. And so if you could go to Amazon, you can look up my name, Bill Hawkins. You can sc- uh, scroll down. And if you've read it in the end of the books, um, when you do that, under obviously under books and such, and then put Bill Hawkins, so it should come up by author. And you'll find uh, all three of my books should be on there, uh, which would be Prickett's Fort, Where's the Party, and uh, Inside the House of David. And if you wouldn't mind writing a review, I would actually appreciate it very much. Um, you might actually be the first to write a review in some of the books because even though I do get feedback from people from people sometimes, 
Uh, as far as going in and writing reviews, uh, that doesn't always happen, so it would be much appreciated. Uh, also, by the way, you can you can find the other, obviously the other two books on there. You can find my podcast on the revolutionaryinsights.com. You can write me at Bill Hawkins at revolutionaryinsights.com. So I don't mind any of that at all. Now that was the first rabbit trail. The second rabbit trail is just to let you know, and I'll put a link to this uh, if you've subscribed to the uh, to the newsletter. Um, then I will you'll get the link to this. But it was an article I read, I think it was just yesterday, uh, about what they're doing in Sweden. Now, I think I might have mentioned a few times before about this whole vaccine mandate and, uh, and then talking about these um, vaccine passports that some places like New York City requires to go to a restaurant. They want to make sure that you've, got your, you've been doubly vaccinated. I uh, still haven't figured out why it's important. Uh, we just I just also saw LeBron James has been doubly vaccinated now has uh, the, the COVID. And, uh, you know, we also know other things such as it's caused more heart problems. People have, I've known more people have died of the, after getting the vaccine than it did have died of actually COVID itself. So, but back to the vaccine. The, in Sweden, what they are doing is they're putting the vaccine passport onto a chip, like a microchip. And they are putting that uh, under people's skins. Now, is that the mark of the beast? Not yet, because the beast hasn't come out and uh, hasn't been revealed yet. There's one reason. But as I've always said, I think it's a precursor to it. Now, that's uh, pretty evident when you look at what's going on in Sweden. These people also have their, like, their financial records, different records on this chip, and uh, the credit card information. And so, uh, again, it's something that they are putting in their hands right now, and isn't that exactly what the Bible says is going to happen? So uh, the vaccine mandate uh, is not the mark of the beast, but it is a precursor to the mark of the beast, and they're going to have to have a way to find out if people actually... Uh, have the vaccine or then you know the remember what the bible says you won't be able to buy or sell whether great or small unless you have this mark of the beast and so that is the direction that they were heading we're to a cashless society some people are wanting that which is another thing that people are pushing for but really it's kind of exciting in a, in a sense that we are living in the the last days now you probably heard that all your life well, it's taken thousands of years to get this point. I don't know when Christ is coming back to rapture his church. I don't know when the second coming is going to, is going to happen. But I do know this, that, we, um, that everything is set up. We have the technology to do everything that uh, the Bible says is going to be happening. And uh, we definitely are have, have had a falling away. Uh, and that's a sad thing. And speaking of falling away... I, I guess I'll just go ahead and uh, segue into the divided states of America. Will the United States be existing uh, during the tribulation? Will the United States, what, you know, why isn't, does the United States go to the aid of Israel? Why is it that uh, God has to do it? What will position the United States be? Well, obviously, you know, God's power is way greater than any military power, including the United States. But why is it that we've been an ally of Israel for years? And um, so why is it that we won't be around? Well, uh, now, we might be around. Maybe we'll be involved in uh, some kind of internal conflict of our own, which is very possible, obviously. I used to, there was a day I wouldn't have thought that, but now I do think that's a possibility, a distinct possibility. 
Uh, maybe that part time that we'll be completely taken over by the socialists, by the globalists, and then they will definitely pull us, put us into some kind of global government, which is also part of what's been prophesied. So maybe we'll be at that point by then. Maybe the you know uh, it, Christians the only thing right now that are is the preserving effect. Like God says, we are the salt of the earth, and the salt is a preserver. So maybe once the Christians are taking about what taken out. Uh, and that's a large chunk of the conservative politics in, in America that's keeping us from going full-fledged you know, socialist, communist, fascist, globalist, whatever term you want to use. They all pretty much are interchangeable now because it's all the same things. That's the only thing keeping us going from full-fledged globalist, like I said, communist, socialist, fascist. So, uh, you know, it's imperative that we understand what the differences are. And, and there's a reason why we are now the divided states of America. And I've gone through the first two parts with the uh, first and second commandment of, uh, of the Word of God. And so today I'm going to t- uh, touch on what the third commandment is uh, and how that we are uh, either supporting or we're rejecting the third commandment of God. And where do the parties stand in relation to this third commandment of God? So, what is the third commandment? The third commandment, uh, it says in Exodus 20 and verse 7, it says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Now, what does it mean to take the, the, the name of God in vain? I've always heard that uh, growing up, you may be in the same thing, the same way, is that we're not supposed to use God's name uh, while cursing. So the uh, proverbial GD, which unfortunately we all know what that stands for, which at one time was a rarity to be heard in America as far as, especially publicly, um, but that's uh, something now that you hear quite often. You used to never hear it on TV, and now you hear it on TV uh, because we have continued to slide down uh, away from God. And uh, as you further slide away from God, they're further sliding towards Satan and uh, what his goals are for not only this country, for the world, for Christianity, for God, and for everything else. So, uh, but God says, don't take his name in vain. Now, does that mean we're not supposed to just simply say, you know, GD? Well, it means a lot more than that because that's not just what the word vain means. Um, what it means to take the Lord's name in, in vain is to say that to vain means it means a saying that it really has no power. You know, it's vain to do something. It's, in other words, it's useless to do something. And so to say that God's power is useless, that God really doesn't have any power, to take his name to vain is to say, okay, I believe in God, I just don't believe in his power. I might believe in God, but I'm not worried about the future. I be in, uh, believe in God, but okay, who cares if I sin continuously and, and uh, I'm not worried about that. In other words, they're really taking, they say, I believe in God, but you know, does he really rule in the affairs of man? Nah, not really. We're all in this alone. Well, that's taking the name of the Lord uh, God in vain. Uh, because like I said, it's much more than just using the word GD in a sentence. As somebody who gives lip service. And giving lip service means that your mouth will speak about God and speak how you love God, but that's the only way to your life. There is no, nothing in your life that says that you are a Christian, that says that you love God. Uh, you can't tell it by a lifestyle. You can't tell it by your beliefs. You can't tell it by what you support. can't tell it tell by what you watch on television or what you see on your computer or whatever else it might, it might be. Excuse me. 
Anyway, uh, what I did was whenever I wrote my book, in, uh, Where's the Party?, one thing I did was I compared the 2016 Republican and Democrat platforms, and I discovered that the latter, the Democrat platform, as you saw, if you, as you heard from last week's uh, podcast, referred to many guys in their platform. Now, that same chapter, it also uh, mentioned, and, and I, I talk about how that the Democrats believe that the highest authority in their lives is government, because if it's not God, then what becomes the, the most powerful force in, gar, in, in a person's life? And if there is no God, the most powerful force in a person's life, therefore, becomes, becomes government. And Titus 1.16 uh, says, They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. Now that's what it said for people. That's what it says about people that that believe that yeah, there's a God, but eh, I'm not too worried about his uh, his power, you know, especially in my personal life. I, you know, that's that's giving God lip service, saying yeah, okay, and talk about like the man upstairs or whatever else, just just really not even recognizing who God is. Now, uh, Joe Biden, the uh, person that occupies the office of the president, legally or illegally. And I happen to believe illegally, he said this in a 2012 uh, vice president presidential debate. He was asked about abortion, and about uh, not excuse me, not abortion, but about religion, and asked about uh, you know how important was religion to him. Now this is a quote from Joe Biden, and you'll notice we, you know, people talk about how he misspeaks. Well, you, this is going to be his quote. This is exactly what he said, and I'm going to be speaking it the same way that he did. He said. My religion defines who I am. By the way, he then goes on and talks about how he's been a practicing Catholic his whole life and that he accepts his church's doctrine, that life begins at conception. But then he adds, as soon as he says he accepts his church's doctrine, that life begins at, at, uh, at conception, he then added, quote, I refuse to impose that on others, unquote. So do you believe it or do you not believe it? Do you believe that life begins at conception or do you not? Now, you say, I believe it does, but I don't have the right to impose that on others. Uh, well, you just impose the, the, that idea on others that you don't have the right to impose that idea on others. In other words, if you're not, if you're not supporting something, uh, then you are, not, you are um, disavowing it. If, you are dis, if you're not disavowing something, then you are supporting it. You know, it's, it's, you, you can't have it uh, both ways, which he tries very often to do exactly that. So how is it logical that our public and private beliefs on such a matter of life and death can differ? Now, he, uh, if he really believed in his church's doctrine, then he would support what his church supports. But he doesn't support what his church supports, which really means he doesn't really believe in what his church supports. Uh, and by the way, that's another reason why even now they're talking about excommunicating uh, Joe Biden. And uh, some bishops have, have called for that. But as you've noticed, the, 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 the new pope, he's pretty much uh, seems like a globalist uh, as well as, the, as you know, Biden, as well as uh, Bill Gates, as well as George Soros. They all seem to be cut from the same cloth, don't they? I hate to say that for those who might be Catholic, but look at what your Pope is doing. So the, uh, uh, and by the way, since when can the will of God be an imposition on somebody? You know, if that's what God says, then how can God's will be an imposition? After all, he's the creator. He made everything. He's all powerful. And so uh, if, if he was an evil God, 
Yeah, maybe. Like evil rulers are, like tyrants, kind of like Joe Biden has been, trying to force people to do things. But God doesn't force anybody to do anything. You know, what he does, he gives us a choice. And, and his motive for everything he does is, is love. He does love us. So um, it, if you remember when Joe Biden made that statement, he began it by saying, it has, quote, it has particularly informed my social doctrine. Catholic social doctrine talks about those who, uh, who uh, can't take care of themselves, unquote. So my question is you. What I want to ask you is, who is less able to take care of themselves than a baby in the womb? Huh. That baby needs protection. That baby is a human being. That's a baby that's a human being apart, a separate human being from his mother. They might be attached by umbilical cord, but that baby is a separate human being. When it is, it, it, when it is born, uh, it is a separate human being. Before it is even born, it's inside the womb. It's a separate human being. It's a whole life unto itself with a whole personality and everything else. So the... Um, the reason that Joe Biden and other Democrats claim to be religious yet oppose the will of God is because they really do not believe in the power of God. They simply give God lip service. Now, this is what Isaiah 29, 13 says. It says, Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. <laughs> okay. The precept of men says that the most defenseless human on this earth can be legally murdered. Now, if they f- truly feared God, they would surely not support taking the life of a baby. Now, let's go back to the 2012 Democratic Convention. During that co- convention, they were arguing whether or not they should include uh, God in the party platform. And there was a, uh, and if you can actually go back and, and watch the video uh, of this, but uh, when they, whenever they chose to put the word God, whenever they actually they did a like a one of these voice votes where people could yay and nay, well, when I heard it, it sounded like they said, "Should we put the name in there or not?" And most Democrats said, "No, they were opposed to it." And that's at least what it sounded like to me. There was also a lot of Democrats that thought they should put the, the name of God in there. Uh, but it was hard to tell which one was was more vocal. But it sounded to me like the ones who opposed uh, putting God in there were more vocal. But the since it was a voice vote, it, would, it came back to the decision of the chair, and the decision of the chair said that the uh, the eyes of the people that want to have the the uh, God in the platform at least one time, uh, or I think it was might have been three times in 2012. Then they uh, went ahead and said, yeah, well, uh, uh, he said, we'll go ahead and put it in there. Well, then half of the people in the Democratic National Convention booed putting the name of God in their party platform. At least half, if not more than half, booed God. Just think about that. Did you hear that in the Republican Convention? Not at all. There's a difference in the way because the Republicans is based on the Judeo-Christian ethic, the belief system, whereas the belief system of the Democrat Party is based on humanism, is based on, and that's the reason why they go for socialism. That's the reason why they think government solves problems and not, and not God, or that individuals don't have much, much rights because it's the government is the highest authority, then the government, that's where all the power is, is congregated inside, that, uh, inside the government, if you will, and then the government can dictate to people what they think is best. That's what these elitists think as they do. 
So uh, why would a, 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 a Democrat, why would a political party not want to mention God in a platform? Not even a, a token mention of God. Uh, that's something that they were against. So why would they be like that? Um, the reason why is because they, they were just actually not even going to be bothered to give God lip service. Think about that. Those people were so far removed from God, they don't even want to give him lip service. It's bad enough to give God lip service. That's violating the third commandment. But these people didn't even want to do that. So the, the Democratic Party platform of 2016 did manage to mention God three times, while the 2020 platform, the one we just had, have reduced that number to one. But since the, the, the party that has rejected God's command, commandments, since they have rejected God's commandment, uh, and commandments, the Democrat Party has, then it's safe to say the Democrat Party has shattered the third commandment of God because they have moved from lip service to contempt. Any argument otherwise, and if you're a Christian and you're, like, you're getting mad right now, thinking, well, that's not right, you know, is, is, that is right. That's, you go back and look at it yourself. Get my book, Where's the Party? It's, you know, I've got that in there where they talk about this stuff. But the, uh, so, the does the party is a, is a political party going to solve the problems of America? No, it's really not. You know, but we should be supporting the party that at least believes in God. And if you are a Christian that supports the political party that opposes God, then you're opposing God too. That's as simple as I can make it. Uh, so you've got to look at it. Where do I stand? Where does my party stand? And if you, uh, you know, pull your head out of, this, out of the sand, if you will. Some of you are doing this out of ignorance. And I'm not calling you stupid. I ignorance is simply not having the knowledge. Well, I've just given you knowledge. So you can't plead ignorance anymore. You know that it's wrong to support a party that opposes God. And this party opposes God. If you don't believe me, look at the party platforms yourself. You know, it's not like they've hidden this. They don't talk about it openly. The media never talks about it. But it's right there in black and white. You can read it for yourself. And that's what I, I, that's what I, I encourage you to do. Now, before I head out of here, I do want to make another little announcement. Uh, anybody that uh, might be in the Lynchburg, Virginia area, I will be speaking at, uh, at a church on uh, this Sunday, this coming Sunday night, the December the 5th, in Madison Heights, which is just across the river from uh, Lynchburg. Uh, the service starts at 6, uh, at 6 o'clock. And I'll be speaking at Temple Baptist Church. Uh, the address is 4465 South Amherst Highway, uh, Madison Heights. Uh, you can, uh, uh, and I'll have the books there. I can sign the books. I can, I can speak with you if, if you like uh, after the service and such. But I will be speaking uh, during the evening service at uh, Temple Baptist Church there in uh, Madison, uh, Madison Heights. So hopefully I can, uh, I'll see you there. Uh, anyway, you guys have a very good day and may God bless you.